1: The young man, named Mark, who failed in his missions trip with Paul and was rejected, later rose up to become one of the great leaders of the church and one of the authors of a book of the New Testament. This is a lesson for us, that we should never give up on a believer who makes a mistake in a time of weakness. Oh, what an important understanding for each of us to
2: grab hold of, not only as we think of others, but also as we think of ourselves. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Pastor Layton is in the book of Colossians, the final chapter, chapter 4.
1: Verse 4, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And so he's not only asking for prayers for open doors, but that he can speak clearly. What he's, what he's asking for is so that he can speak in such a manner that people can hear it, and they can understand it, and they can respond to it, and they can believe the gospel. And he references here, this is how I ought to speak. It's an acknowledgment he has an obligation to share the gospel, and he speaks of that elsewhere. Verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, those that are outside of the church, making the best use of the time. And and, and walk refers to how we conduct ourselves in life. It's how we do our work, how we pay our bills, how we keep our promises. And the outsiders, you know, they're always watching us, and they're very critical of us, and that's why it's so important that we not allow things in our lives that are going to jeopardize our testimony. I might say this as well, that, that some people believe that they're in God's secret service. They don't let people know they're Christians. Um, We're supposed to live as Christians so that people look at us, wonder what's special about us, ask those questions so we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And then he says, make the, the best use of time or redeem the time. And it's actually in that era, it was a phrase that described Finding a special deal. It was, you were a purchaser and you were, you were out and you found a special deal. And when you found that special deal, you took the opportunity to buy whatever that was. And what he's talking about here is when you're out and, and you have the opportunity to share the gospel, don't pass it by. Take every opportunity that you, that you get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. What he was communicating here was a sense of urgency. And I think the sense of urgency has been lost upon American Christians we just think well you know maybe it'll work maybe it won't somebody else will take care of it we got next christmas or next year or next no we don't know that we have another opportunity there needs to be within us a sense of urgency when there is an opportunity to share the gospel now's the time to share it verse six let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person now he's speaking here specifically in the context of how we converse with outsiders, non-Christians, but it, what he's saying here is really relevant to any conversation that we have. Our speech is to minister grace to the hearers. We're to speak the truth in love. We're to speak the truth graciously. We're supposed to be full of grace and truth. Why? Because Jesus was full of grace and truth, and we need to be like Jesus. He says we need to be gracious. The mean, word means charming, pleasant, attractive. Our speech needs to be charming, Uh, pleasant and attractive. And then he has a reference here to salt which both has to do with attractiveness because it makes food attractive. Uh, Salt makes it taste better. But also salt makes it more wholesome because it's a preservative that retards corruption in food. And when you look at the parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 4, you find that salt symbolizes that which preserves conversation and keeps it from becoming corrupt. So we need to put salt into our speech to make sure it's pure ephesians 4 29 says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth bad stuff shouldn't be coming out of our mouth our speech must be pure so that you may know how you ought to answer each person how you how to answer the apostle peter wrote always be prepared always to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. When we do our membership class, it's one of the things I, I, I really emphasize for our new members, that, that we need to treat each other with gentleness and respect. That's what the Bible tells us we should do. And, and, and then you notice he says how we ought to answer each person. Why does he say each person? Because every person is unique. And we need to find the way to communicate the gospel with that person in their uniqueness. Some people have a formula. They just spout the formula. Worked there, didn't work there, didn't work there. Worked... Formulas have some value, but every person is unique and we need to find out how we can reach that person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't give the gospel to a six-year-old the same way you would give it to an adult each person is unique. And then Paul often closes his letters with personal greetings to various people which underscores for us the fact that he never really worked alone. Some of us might think that he did, but he didn't. He was always uh, working with other Christians. In fact, there, uh, between the writings that he has and the Acts, there's over a hundred different Christians that are identified as working with Paul in some fashion. In fact, he names more than 20 of them in the last chapter of Romans. And so this particular portion of Colossians is like a miniature hall of faith or a hall of fame uh, for us. These are heroes of the faith. He says, Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your heart. What do we know about Tychicus? Well, uh, Acts chapter 20 tells us that he accompanied Paul to Jerusalem with the collection that had been taken for the church, that he became one of Paul's representatives, that Paul sent him to Ephesus on a couple of occasions and to Colossae on this particular occasion, that uh, he, Paul trusted Tychicus and made good use of his freedom and faithfulness to continue the ministry when Paul was unable to because he was incarcerated in prison. You notice that Paul describes Tychicus as his fellow servant. Now Paul was an apostle and Tychicus was only a church leader, a pastor elder if you will. But there's no apostolic arrogance at all in the apostle Paul. He says we are fellow servants. We both serve Jesus. I I, want to say this, I find it repulsive when there is a pastoral arrogance. There are some pastors, some elders that are arrogant, and and it's just personally repulsive. It should never be. We are all servants of Christ if we are Christians. And then notice that Paul sent Tychicus to them to give them encouragement while he is in prison. And one would think he'd be asking for encouragement, but he's thinking about others despite whatever circumstances he may be dealing with personally. Verse 9, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And so Onesimus is the runaway slave that had belonged to Philemon and had evidently been won to Christ through Paul's ministry in Rome. And Paul was sending him back to Philemon and they were probably carrying that letter in this particular, troop, uh, uh, particular trip. And he is described as being faithful And beloved. And then verse 10 Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. What do we know about Aristarchus? Well, from the scriptures, we know he came from Thessalonica. He accompanied Paul on the third missionary journey. Along with Gaius, he was arrested during a riot in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. He was with Paul in Greece, Acts chapter 20. He sailed with Paul in Acts chapter 27, which meant he went through that horrible storm and shipwreck. In other words, Aristarchus was with Paul no matter what the circumstances were. It didn't matter if it was a riot or in prison or a storm. He was there. He was faithful. And I doubt that Paul could have accomplished all he accomplished if it wasn't for the help of Aristarchus. He didn't look for the easy things to get done. and He never ran out when life got difficult. And you know, the longer I have worked in ministry, the greater my appreciation has become for the brother or sister who will stick with me through thick and thin. Aristarchus was that kind of a a friend and brother to the Apostle Paul. And then he mentions Mark, who's oftentimes also called John Mark in scriptures. The story behind him is that he started out on the first missionary journey with Barnabas and Paul. But around Acts chapter 13, in the middle of the journey, he decided to leave. And evidently he didn't leave under right circumstances because when Paul and Barnabas got together to discuss another missions trip, Barnabas wanted to take him and Paul said, No way, we're not taking that guy. In fact, the contention was so deep that Barnabas ended up taking John Mark and going on one trip and Paul ended up taking Silas and going on another trip. We know from Acts chapter 12 that Mark worked with the apostle Peter And by the way, this was the John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. The young man named Mark, who failed in his missions trip with Paul and was rejected, later rose up to become one of the great leaders of the church and one of the authors of a book of the New Testament. This is a lesson for us, that we should never give up on a believer who makes a mistake in a time of weakness. When Paul was coming to the end of his ministry here and he wrote the Second Timothy, he said, Take Mark and bring him with me, with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. John Mark is a is an encouragement to every one of us who has failed to serve God at some point. He didn't just stay down, he got up, got back into ministry, and proved to be faithful to the Lord. We all can make mistakes. Don't give up. Verse 11, and Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision, that is Jewish, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Uh, Jesus is the Greek word or form of the name Joshua. Justice is a Latin name. Oftentimes people of that era had more than one name. But we don't know anything more about him than his name. It is only, I think, mentioned, uh, mentioned here. But we don't know anything more about him.
2: What a fascinating study in the book of Colossians. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. And as we draw this week to a close, we almost finish this study. We'll come back on Monday and wrap it all up. This is just the ending of a much longer study in the book of Colossians. And you can find all of the messages on the website, highlands.us. Just click on the messages link on the homepage. That's highlands.us. And of course, This being Friday, I always like to remind you that there are multiple services across the weekend at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Those details, again, are on the website, highlands.us. They begin on Saturday evening and then continue through Sunday morning and again on Sunday evening. And you'll find details about Highlands Christian Schools at that website, or at least a link to the Highlands Christian Schools. A lot of information available to you on the web. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend and come back on Monday when we'll open the Word of God to the book of Colossians and study verse by verse.
0: three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets
2: he was one of the most respected generals in the military
0: flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells